0: Welcome to breeder Syndicate. Hey, there's that handsome man. There we are. What are you
1: up to? Oh, I just got done with dinner with the kids. Did you spritz your hair? I did not, no. You did not spritz? Not no spritz. <laughs> <laughs> no spritz.
0: All right. No so No shave. Folks. What What would uh, we consider the topic tonight
1: uh, i thought we I thought we could chat a little bit about like just like the like the changing seed dynamic and okay. how it's how it's been one way for it was you know how every five or ten years or something It's kind of dramatically different yeah um, especially since in today's world uh there's a ton of stuff now that's coming out that's uh you know old and authentic and this and that and unchanged and you know a lot of people might not know that you know even stuff 10 years ago is hard to get yeah yeah you know so I thought we could kind of chat about uh you know what how 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 it changed how it started and we can take questions on this one pretty easy we there's like a lot of years to cover so it's not like yeah. we're going to be like chronological even or like go into tons of depth on everything mm-hmm. but we could kind of give like a general overview you know yeah um and there's already questions about the the NL repro and Hawaiian lights and this and that. And yeah, you know, a lot of people, when you hear skunk one or you hear NL or you hear this or that, or even sour diesel for some people, it might be like a legendary thing of old yeah that you're hearing about, but you might've come up in an era where like it wasn't popular or common, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, there might be a bunch, there's a lot of information out there about certain things. Um, but you know, it kind of gets, needs to get taught again and again and again and again.
0: Yeah. And and it seems to be, need to be refreshed more often now than ever before.
1: Yeah. You know, and, and the, the multitude of is, people coming in, the information is out there and there's, you know, there's, I mean, there's always been dishonesty in the seed game, but there's, there's dishonesty and there's sleight of hand and there's letting people assume.
2: Yeah. That's let, a
1: big let, one. Assumptions are a big one where it's not, you're yeah. not actually, you know, lying necessarily you're by omission you're just kind of throwing it out there and being like oh well you know yeah you
3: assumed that not me yeah so so where do we want to start maybe we could just do like a super quick overview
1: uh of what things were like in the uh in the like in the beginning okay go ahead you start with this one this is your era is my era. So, I mean, we've already done some like long podcasts on this, so I won't touch on it too much, but the parts that that are important for people to know is that in the beginning there was only a few companies. It was all regular seeds, Uh, reversals and all that were years and years and years away. And because there was not very much competition, there wasn't very much pressure to change things. Right. Yeah. So companies would come out with a lineup And that lineup would often stay the same within a a, a mission or an addition or two over a number of years. Um, The seed bank from Neville changed every couple of years as he figured out what he had going on. But the first first five years of Sensi were basically the same stuff. Unchanged. And then every year or two, they'd add a new thing in. You know, when Simon from Serious Seeds came out, I mean, he was pretty famous for kind of having, he, he had like the same six things.
0: Yeah, six. Just like
1: six. Six, six things, you know, um, and so that was pretty common back then where it was like most of the companies that you could buy from were out of Holland because that's where it was legal. Yeah, And they all had printed catalogs and there wasn't really Internet or Internet was very young. And so the biggest difference from today is that they all used mails. And so if you look back at that early work, they typically found mails that worked for them you know, um, and repeatedly use them across multiple lines. Yeah. And, you know, and finding for for them, it might sound crazy today, but like the older breeders would tell you that like the males were the most valuable cuts in their stable because the females, the females, you could obviously grow the flower and you could decide whether or not you liked it a bunch. Yeah. The males
0: figuring out whether or not they passed the traits that you wanted was time consuming it was either it was either a roll of the dice and you got very lucky or extremely time consuming
1: yeah you had to you had to like look you had to make seeds and grow the seeds and be like oh that's not the male i want i'm going to go to a different yeah. one so yeah. typically breeders when they figured out a, an actual male that was golden for them mm-hmm. they hung on to it like crazy yeah
3: right
0: and i get that one i get that
1: one,
3: <laughs> get and, that one. you
1: know and, and and so part of the part of the thing <laughs> You know, we we were talking in the beginning about like olden strains popping back up with the Skunk One and the and the and the NL and this and that and everything else. Is that Mm -hmm. some of the reasons why these strains were so famous is because unlike today, where there's like a a ton of breeders releasing new names all the time and they're there and gone. um, These things had lasting power.
2: Yeah,
0: they hung around. You saw their name. And back then, if you bought a seed pack, usually the, the following, if you chose to buy another one the next year, it would be a similar seed pack, the same kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. And, and like even changed. when, even when the Canadians and stuff and, and other companies started biting that initial stuff, mm-hmm. they still use those initial names. Yeah. So they got, you know, they got like, you know, that's part of the reason why some of those names have such, for lack of a better term, name recognition. Even with casual smokers, they might not have have never, most smokers have probably never smoked pure Northern lights, anything, but everybody's heard it. Yeah. Most people really haven't honestly, probably even haven't smoked skunk one. Yeah. Pure, you know, even though it's in lots of things, but they've heard the name. Yeah. You know? And so, uh, you know, they, uh, um, so that was kind of, that was kind of how it was for like a really long time was that there was, there was different there was different groups and I would say for the first 15 years, it was almost all Holland Amsterdam based. Yeah. like 85 to 2000 or something. Yeah. It was pretty, it was pretty pretty Amsterdam based. And then like in the late nineties, early two thousands, it started shifting over to Canada too. Yeah. And there was um, you know, there was, you know, there was a bunch of different groups from Canada Federation and uh, um, legends. Legends and, and BC. And Emery. Emery. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean there was even there was even uh the you know one of the cool things about Canada was that before, like when I first started, you either had to fly to Amsterdam or you had to get mail from Holland. Yeah. Which was kind of sketch.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? And then there was Canadian seed companies that started opening up in Canada and then you could get it from Canada, which was like a lot more Mail back and forth between our two countries, right? So it was a lot more yeah. like lost in the shuffle, yeah. And so he said, Mark Emery, uh, the, the one that was kind of famous for a minute was Heaven's Heaven Stairway, yeah. Um, and they were all tied into like the first
3: forums, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, right. Some other your, your brother, Ron, are you are you uh Jim's brother,
0: Ronnie <laughs> dog I was doing a really good job of growing the I know comments. Jim's sister and I knew Jim really well. And, and then you, he and was then one of my you, mentors, so that's pretty cool. I've never talked to his brother. Um I'm gonna go back to not paying attention to the comments. But yeah,
3: yeah I know uh, I will lot. pay
1: attention soon. It's just hard it's just hard to chit-chat and read at the same time. I lose my train of thought. But yeah, yeah like so one of the one of the amazing things about about the Canadian seed companies is that there were individual like companies like, like Scentsy or something that were like in, in, Canada that were like making seeds, but there was also like sort of the first seed brokers. Yeah. Right. Where, yeah. you know, uh, in Amsterdam days, you kind of went to each individual seed company and got seeds from them. Yeah. But Mark Emery or heaven seven stairway, you know, these, these groups, like you could get all of that supposedly plus all yeah. this stuff from Canada. Right. And what's important mm-hmm. about that, too, is that the Canadian people, it really kind of like widened what was available. Yeah. You know, there was different people like, uh, you know, reefer man was another one. You know, there was various people that started throwing out all kinds of different stuff. I, you know, um, you know, uh, DJ Short shifted his his work after not being very happy. I don't think with partnering with with uh, Dutch the guys. Yeah. yeah, he wasn't. too. I think he was at Sag Martha first. And then he went to Dutch Passion. Yeah. Um, And then he pretty much started mostly selling his stuff through Canadian companies. Yeah. Right? Um, And that was, this is still all males era. But what happened in the late 90s with with Overgrow and with Cannabis World is now all of a sudden, um, like you talk about IG, there was the potential for people to get sort of internet famous. Yeah, absolutely. And there was some people that were on, that were on there early on that because they, I'm not, I'm, this isn't dissing them, so don't take it that way, but just because there was only so much competition and there was only so many people like willing to do what they were doing publicly, mm-hmm. um, they got kind of famous. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, um, the whole first edition of, you know, uh, you know, people started posting on overgrow threads with blueberries. I mean, Blueberry is pretty close to Matt's heart, you know, and people would freak out because it looked so different than anything else. Wildly different. Yeah. And that's another part of it where it's like, that's the start of where things started getting Internet famous and everybody started talking about them. And like one percent of people that were talking about them had ever seen it in a bag or smoked it or smelled it or touched it. Yeah. Just online vision just online vision and online talking. And so you could get a couple of people that sounded intelligent talking about something. Yeah. And it was gospel. Yep. You know, I mean, I used to, you used to go on there and people would have grow, grow, you know, grow forums and, and, you know, growing this and some of that stuff. Another thing was like the, the original brothers. Grimm was right in that same era. Right. And yeah. Cin- Cinderella 99, Blueberry stuff with catchy names that was yeah. new, wasn't from Amsterdam, wasn't from the same group, was different genetics. Um, and it kind of got super famous. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it kind of, you know, as far as like tonight's discussion or whatever, what's kind of important about it is that in the beginning, it was literally like SSSC and Neville selling seats. Yeah, and then there was like twelve Dutch dudes selling seeds. Yeah, and then there was like twenty Dutch dudes selling seeds. and then there was a bunch of Canadians making seed, and then there was like some aggregators of seed in Canada selling seed. Yeah, and then the internet comes along, and all of a sudden somebody from from Oregon, like DJ Short or you know Brothers Graham, or these different people, could just pop up. Yeah, and there was way... there was what, what was was Breed Bay the fr- what was the first. Was it was it like probably like direct messages in the very beginning, which was the easiest way for people to communicate and actually get seeds?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, for, was, I actually, that's more. It goes area. down in the DM. Dude. It goes down in the DM. So, <laughs> you know, the forums, the forums was really the first place where sort of like the worldwide weed community could start to chat. Yeah. And it's where a lot of legends were born. You know, it's also where the people that are legends started writing down versions of events that we could compare to what they say and wrote later. Yeah. So the forums is where a lot of the real story of skunk one first got told.
3: Right.
2: Yeah.
1: The real, and yeah. you know, we yeah. talked yeah. we talked about it with chem dog on the last episode. It's where people started writing down thoughts about chem dog and the original story. Um, yeah. and you know, people could find they could be active on threads and they could find other people, and you could start learning about sort of like the larger weed history.
0: Yeah, and a lot of times we'd see people growing a clone, and we'd be like, "Fuck, I want that one." So you'd go talk to them, and you'd make connections, and you know that's that's how it all worked. That's how the circles started—the the clone circles of people, you know, kind of banding together as crews because they realized, like, I've got to keep honest people around me to trade with because I'm getting fucked all the time. And there was people like, you know, um, there's people that are
1: Instagram famous right now uh, in, mm-hmm. in weed world. There was definitely people that were, you know, forum famous and okay. their opinion, their opinions about seed and their opinions about all that. Um, you know, and that's where, like a lot of times for some people, the first time people saw old timers start arguing with youngsters over what the fuck even was going on. And yeah. you realize some of the personalities behind some of this stuff. Um, you know, like, uh, Tom Hill. Yeah. You know, yeah. Vic, Vic yeah. high and chimera um, and all of them. Yeah. Chimera chimera, uh, who, you know, um, Matt interviewed him and in read, uh, a while ago. Uh you know, he, he's actually really personable to watch talk, but he was like the most intimidating breeder to read about. Yeah. Because his level of like technical knowledge and education on how
0: genetics works is pretty deep. Yeah, it was really hard to argue with him. Very hard because he could he could run circles around people science wise. Yeah, I mean he just he just he's
1: you know he just he, breeding and genetics and how all that stuff works. He had a you could call it like a classical education in it or whatever. Yeah, um, you know, and he got hella famous, but it's like nobody. I never tried any of his weed. I never tried any of his strains. No. Yeah, I did. But I'm just saying, like, you know, like I said, some of the stuff like with blueberry and stuff, like how many people actually tried the blue
0: velvet? Yeah, not many. And it was so expensive back then. It it was one of the more expensive strains for its time, you know, so a lot of people weren't buying it. And so
1: so people would like live vicariously through like the people that did buy it and they'd start a grow journal on some forum. And then like that would drive seed sales for certain ones like crazy. Yeah, because here's this crazy purple blue, like long before cookies or whatever, you know, uh, the blue family really did look unique.
2: Yeah.
0: And, so and still- I think we're going to do a, a a whole set segment for people watching. We're going to do a whole segment on the history of purples, because I think nowadays um, looking around, you see all the purples and you think, well, this must have been how it always has been. But it just wasn't like purples were rare as fuck up until. 2007, 2008, you weren't seeing a lot of true breeding purples that you could, you could breed with and reliably pass on purple traits, or only a few. So, and really, yeah. in 2008,
1: what Matt's talking about, mm-hmm. those purples that started popping were
0: kind of all descendants from half a dozen purple cuts that got famous. Most of them were descendants of Mendo Purps because Blackberry is probably a Mendo Purps pheno. And Black Blackberry, Berry, the, yeah. the, the majority were Blackberry or Purple Urkel.
1: The same. Yeah, so, Urkel and Mendo that's... P kind of created a million hybrids. Yeah. But, you know, I, I mean, just we're going to we'll probably, yeah, we will do a whole show on that, I guess. But yeah, we definitely will. There's an aspect to it where, like, in general, people should still know that, like, from, you know,
0: so now everyone, all those people still had males. Hold on, hold on. Uh, Roan Dog. No, he he will never be on this show because he's been caught in too many lies about his fucking herbal. But I'll I'll fill you in later, Roan Dog. Go ahead. Couldn't let that one slide by.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> no, I mean, like I'm still not. I'm you know, and so so basically, like just keeping it with the seed game or whatever. Everyone still used males, mm-hmm. but now it had, all of a sudden it was really it was almost like democracy and weed, right? Yeah. There used to be like an aristocracy of seed companies that like they they didn't have very much competition you know and they didn't have very much new things coming in to like sort of turn the thing so stuff like nl that gets famous nl was sold for 20 years yeah right like yeah you know i mean skunk one these you know uh hazes these various different things super silver haze there was like new things would hit like we talked about the white family and the blue family a little bit last episode too Those things had five or six years of a run where they didn't have very much else hypey battling them for eyes and drool. And you know, Oh my God, what is that? Yeah. Right. It was slower, right? It was much slower. But what the forums did is they introduced the ability for small scale growers in America to start selling seed. Yeah. For the most part, you really had to like, you know, um, I mean, even for someone like DJ Short to sell his blue line, he basically had to send it to Dutch companies and hope.
0: Yeah, right. When I first started, I had to send it to to uh, at that time. It was mostly British companies that were doing it, and you you had to send it, fucking uh, front it, all of it, and you just had to hope that someone wasn't going to fuck you. Yeah, you know, and so you
1: and so basically, then the internet allowed some of these seed people to sell direct yeah and to, and to create their own seed, you know um uh, in a way where that's sort of i'm trying to think of like who else was um you know breeder steve got really famous in that yeah. same era because there was a thing where you know once they started changing the laws in holland in 99 where they didn't allow seed production switzerland mm-hmm. opened up big and yeah. so there was these, there was these, you know, there was these forum posts and stuff about Swiss grows, and people like breeder Steve and Shanti Baba and some of the other people that had made the switch over there. All of a sudden, like now, it's like, oh, whatever. I see another huge twenty acre grow. Yep, five hundred yeah. lights. Da 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 da. Just scrolling through IG. Oh, look, the Jungle Boys are building another fucking warehouse. But yeah seeing like seven greenhouses lined up in a row that were commercially scaled full of weed in Switzerland, all of a sudden you were like, Whoa, yeah. It's not in a bedroom anymore. Right. Yeah. And they were actually able to breed over there. And so, yeah, it was kind of like, can you think of anybody else besides like brothers, Grimm,
0: the DJ short (laughs) breeder, Steve, you know what I was just thinking as you were talking was that um, what I really remember was that nobody from Europe was selling direct. There were very few, unless you were someone that was a well-known breeder, you weren't able to buy seeds like from Scentsy. You weren't able to buy from Nirvana Direct. You weren't able to buy from Shanti Direct. They would not ship to the U.S. whatsoever, no, which is why everybody silly. had to go through these these other venues of the, of the one spot, whether it was seed Bay, Heaven Stairway, um, onto Seed Bay, you know, uh, yeah. uh, Seed Boutique, places like that before you could even get your hands on them. So nobody was buying direct from the breeders back then. None of no one was doing direct seed sales. Everybody got sketched by what happened to Neville.
1: Yeah. And so that's what I mean. Like I went out in the nineties when I was going, you, like you basically, most of them, you had to go and get seed. Yeah. You had to go there and get it. Yeah, but they weren't the going to be shipping it to you. But Heaven Stairway and Mark Emery and places like that, they would ship. Yeah. You know, and and they and all of a sudden you could like, you'd get Cannabis Culture, uh, which was Mark Emery's magazine or height, you know, and that, that mm-hmm. thing was pretty famous. I think most stoners bought it because it had some cool pictures and a few cool articles, but then it would have pages of his seed company and what the offerings were. Yeah. And you would just read those paragraphs over and over and over again. Yeah, there's some good copywriting in some of them. Yeah, you're like, oh, Federation, or you know, or yeah. Casey Brains, or this or that, and these new names, and with new names came new claims. Yeah, and new genetics, and you know, the the Dutch started losing their <laughs> their place of like s- centrality. Yeah, you know, um, but that also started to speed things up a bit. You know, um, most famous strains had kind of an arc of. I would call it like five to eight years where they were dominated. Yeah. You know? um, And I think that was true with like, like I said, like with skunk and NL and it was true with white widow and blueberry. And it was true with, you know um, I mean, you remember all the hype about like, like Cindy 99, Cinderella.
0: ninety nine, And like, well, yeah, I mean a fast, fast flowering uh, haze, supposedly haze type high that you could grow outdoors and finish in time. It's it kinda of, yeah, kind of like what, what
1: DJ used to claim about flow. Oh yeah, the seven weaker. All the qualities you want in a long-running equatorial sativa found in a seven-week, you know, yeah. seven-week yeah. plant. And so Cindy 99 yeah. was kind of the same thing, but it was more like eight or nine weeks. Yeah, much closer. Much closer. And so um and also we should probably note that um whatever whatever what's the best way to put it. DMs and the internet really started people all of a sudden being able to trade clones with people they didn't know personally in real life. Yeah.
0: And I think that was kind of a revolution. Yeah, that's that's when a lot of these Cali clones that were Cali clone only started to make their way around the nation. You know, because you really had
1: to be connected. Um, you really had to be connected in order to to get things. Yeah you know, um, and you, and generally speaking, like you had to go meet someone to get them, you know, where all of a sudden the internet, I mean, it sounds quaint now, but like people could like go make internet friends and do some private DMing.
0: And all of a sudden they got some cuts mailed.
2: Yeah. That, that
0: to me has, has been lost from, from what's going on today. For the most part, not always, but for the most part, a lot of people, um, pop in and expect to, just be given, you know, just be given. They don't understand you pay your dues, you work, you work your way into certain circles, you gain trust. And this is a several year tiny thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the, I would
1: say that that probably is true. Like, um, in any like small subculture. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, um, the, the ability for, you know, for the, the people that are already in it to kind of lay down the law and the rules and like the, the, the you know, what conduct is appropriate. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I could use like a, a I'm, I'm a little young for that, but um, some of my older deadhead friends told me the worst thing that ever happened to the dead was when they had a top 10 hit in 1987 <laughs> because so many That's people that started. mindset. So, well, so many people started coming to the show that like 95% of the people going there knew sort of the framework of the rules. Yeah. And then you get two, three, four, five hundred thousand 500,000 people that start showing up at all these different spots in different places and they don't know the rules so much. And yeah. the same thing has happened with weed. Like there used to be a thing where, I mean, 20 years ago, there wasn't anybody offering like, hey, I've got all these rare cuts. This one's 300. This one's 500. This one's 800. Like, no one would ever trade with you. If you made made a price list for clones back then, you would probably be blacklisted. Every collector would be like, oh, no. Now people just look (laughs) at it like, oh, it's a perfectly acceptable business model. Yeah. Like, I can just gather up all these clones. And I'm not even making a value judgment. I'm just saying that back then, like, that would have been crazy. Like, you had to build trust with someone. And they would usually yeah. extract some type of concession that you would treat it in a way that they felt was respectful in order to get yeah. it. Yeah. And if they saw that, they probably wouldn't trust you. Yeah. If, they, if you posted on Overgrow or Cannabis World or something like, or IC Mag later, if you posted some, hey, here's the 20 cuts that I'm selling and here's the price ranges. Yeah. You'd be fucked.
3: You'd be <laughs> super
1: fucked. You'd be yeah. fucked, dude. And like, you people would be jumping down your throat. People yeah. would be flipping out. Because it was it was like a lot of those things were kind of considered like family heirlooms back. then. Yeah. You know, but what's cool about that is that that revolutionized breeding, too. Because like one of the things that like, you know, Neville got so lucky when he did was he got all these American breeders to just give him their work. And he got the cross. right? So that was very lucky in that sense, because it's like he got to cross skunk and NL and he got to cross haze and NL and he got to cross, you know, all, all this shit. So this DMS and trading that went on in the forums that started really like changing up what, what growers and breeders could have access to. Yeah. And what they could use and people mailing each other seeds. That was even more, that was way more common than uh, I think clone trading. Oh yeah, for sure. Way way more common. Like clone trading sure. was still pretty rare and sketchy, but people yeah. would be like, "Oh, I took this, I took this uh sweet tooth and I crossed it to these eight things that I have and now I have seeds. I'm going to send them to all my friends."
2: Yeah,
0: clone mailing is also a huge pain in the ass and it always has been, you know. It happened, it was just case. super
1: it was just super rare in my opinion then. Yeah. It did happen. But I think trading seeds was more we were still yeah. like in this, in the, you pop seeds era.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Don't you think? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I you mean, know. I just think, I think in general, sending clones was so much labor so much more laborious. There were so many, there were so few people that had legit shit and it was easier to track who had what back then than it is now. So wow. there were, there were all kinds of factors that went into why seeds were much easier to ship and why they were more traded than clones. And there was more emphasis on seeds back then anyways than clones. Market-wise,
1: too, I think before the mid-2000s, there was a lot less emphasis on, like, I have this specific strain and it sells for this much.
2: Yeah. You could grow a lot
1: of good things and it would still easily sell. Yeah. Right? So people were much more, they were much more content with, like, oh, send me 30 seeds and I'll find a winner and then I'm going to grow it in my little group and I'll have no problem moving it. Yeah. That was a big issue too, you yeah. know, is, is that as the last, the last 15 years, it's gotten more and more and more specific on, do you have this cut? Yeah. Where I think that era that we're talking about, it was more, people were way more into like finding
0: seats. Yeah. I think it, in that era, you were more likely to get a real cut because the, the whole fake cut thing hadn't really taken off yet.
1: Well, no, there was, there was no, nobody sold any. So there was no money in it. So there was no reason yeah. to deceive. And like, yeah. there was fake cuts getting traded, but it, like anything
0: else, it takes a long time for that stuff to snowball.
2: Oh yeah. Because you have, someone has to
0: grow it out, figure it out that it's fake in the first place, go through enough hands to, to be caught.
1: Sure. And in and, and some cases it's like, so you got a fake or two or whatever, like getting traded back and forth here and there to one or two people. And then fast yeah. forward 10 years and the game changes a little bit and there's 30 people trading that cut. Yeah, So it would just get into way more hands. I was yeah. always honestly like, that's more Matt's era than mine in the sense that I was way more of a lurker because I didn't trust technology He's, to like, oh. to, to, I didn't
0: trust technology to DM people and to give out oh. my address and to have yeah, people send me I was stupid. I was I was in the era where people still weren't selling direct and I'm like, why the fuck aren't people selling direct? I'm just gonna sell direct. And and it was probably a, a very, very risky idea. And I didn't realize it at the time how indeed risky it was. I figured more people would do it than me. I did yeah. super
1: risky shit. I just I just like I just didn't understand. Like I thought like with the push of a button the FBI could just find my VPN and everything. They're ever also male
0: phobic. You're you know,
1: I, I don't forever. like it, but I mean, I would do things like I would go to <laughs> Amsterdam, you know, and I would like put seeds, sew them in the hem of my jeans. Yeah. Like twice a year. And like, and I would make these like tiny little notes with like, like prison notes, like the smallest lettering, <laughs> like NL5 NL like, NL skunk one, this tiny little note. And I'd slip that in the hem and then I'd push the 30 seeds in there and sew it back up. You know, so that's like actual like
0: <laughs> smuggling in a way, you know, I was just thinking how bad it would suck. Like if you got home and you forgot to tell your mom not to wash your jeans. Oh, yeah. She washes I mean, your jeans with your seeds.
1: <laughs> I, when I was buying, I, I moved out uh, soon, you know, uh, early on. Yeah, so there wasn't uh, there wasn't any like come home with illegal seeds to my mom. Um, no, that's, but yeah, that was And you're, your male significant other. We used to get really noited out like the last day you were in Amsterdam, you would like yeah. take, you would get a new hotel room and you would take everything in your bag out one by one. And you would look for like wheat leafs or, oh, sure, yeah. or a small chunk of hash. You would make sure you yeah. laundered all your shit. Right. Like, yeah. uh, you know, I have a buddy, I, you know, um, I've talked about him before, but, um, you know, he had a, he had a wallet, right. Mm-hmm. And the wallet had a Velcro seal and mm-hmm. like, the tiniest flake of weed was sticking to the Velcro. And when he went through customs, they looked through his shit. They find it? Yeah. And all of a sudden, (laughs) they're like, what is this? And there's like the tiniest, tiniest flake of, you know, it was like a sweet leaf that was stuck to the bud. Yeah. And then it stuck to the Velcro. Well, that was like, we had a two hour delay because then they ripped apart everything in his life and they like looked at the soles of his shoes and they like imaged the bottom of his suitcase. I mean, it was like they were (laughs) They were on him like white on rice. I bet. From one little flake, you know? And then That's back crazy. then we were sketched enough because you were flying home. Sometimes we would do this thing where we would go to Holland, but we would fly home from like Germany or Belgium or France.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So sense. at least
1: it was like a direct flight, not necessarily straight from Amsterdam. Yeah. Because you're going to be looked at way more heavy coming out of Amsterdam. Sure. Yeah. Just because it's like, yeah, it's like you're flying home from like, a I do know. Mecca. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like in the eighties, you're flying home from Bogota yeah, and you're a dude yeah, exactly. with big sunglasses, you know, like <laughs> might get looked at for a minute, you yeah. know, cause it's Bogota, you know? So it, it, uh, you know, it basically like it took a lot of effort then. And the, and I think the forums really sort of like democratized and made the effort easier. Cause you could like hunt shit from your living room. Yeah. You know, and unlike today, I mean, i like, we, I made some comments before about like IG being irritating me because, you know, people curate their page so hard that a lot of good information gets lost. Yeah. Because people will just block you or delete your comment or even just take down the whole post if the, you know, it goes off, it goes off kilter for them.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I,
0: you know, even my, my catalog posts have been flagged and taken down. Just, Pictures of cat- p- pages from catalogs so people have access to see what was in the catalogs. Even those get reported and taken
1: down, you know. So in the early days, the only way that you could get something taken down on the forum is if the moderator, you, you knew the moderator and they were willing to do something shady and get rid of it. Yeah. Back in the day, the worst thing that used to happen on the forums was if people got too mean to each other, they would just lock comments.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Lock the thread. They lock would just up.
1: lock the thread, but the thread, the information itself would stay up there. So I think there was like a generation of people that grew up, um, you know, and I mean, I I talked, I've talked a few times about like those harvest festivals that I went to a whole bunch of people, you know, from, uh, from Ron and stuff, Mm -hmm. all those people met from the internet. Yeah. I mean, there was like groups of friends from different regions, you know? Um, but you know, I mean, that's the
0: first place I met CSI. Yeah. And by run, you mean NCGA for everybody watching. Yeah. NCGA, North Cal Grows Grows Association. He used to, they used to throw
1: in Sonoma County. They used to rent out a house for three days and basically have a harvest festival that was catered where everybody would bring down seeds and weed and hash and their stuff and shoot the shit, and eat and talk about life. Yeah. You know? Um, And that's where a lot, a whole bunch of us, even though like CSI and I only lived a couple hours apart, that's where we met. Yeah and it was the internet. And then there was people like, uh, like chip who started, um, uh, the cocoa that, you know, the, uh, you know, he started a, co- a soil company.
0: Yeah. The Mendo Royal, Mendo? Royal gold from Royal God gold. Yeah. Royal gold. Yeah.
1: He has a podcast now and I think he's in Colorado or something like yeah, that's what but, I heard. But anyway, like I, you know, I met chip there and he, you know, he was just back from, uh, Switzerland. Yeah. And he had a bunch of, you know, pictures of all these greenhouses full of weed. And so it was like those kind of things brought together a bunch of breeders. Yeah. Right. And that is what really started like the polyhybrid era where people started being able to trade their stuff back and forth. Yeah. And start crossing things to different things. And, oh, I've got this little bit because most of the time back then you got two or three cuts that your friends grew. Yeah. And that's all you had access to. Yeah. And then maybe you got a little... You know, it's like, yeah, like if Matt was if Matt was growing in San Diego or some shit, then he could get things in San Diego. Yeah. But he wasn't going to get things that were famous in New York or Florida or that it wasn't that easy. Yeah. Not during in that era. No. Not during that era at all. It wasn't that easy. And so, mm-hmm. you know, Matt made the point now where people like want access to all this stuff really fast. Yeah. And they don't realize how many years of just being around and being
0: trusted it took before someone would start to let you in. I take, I compare it a lot to like, if, if people are familiar with tattoo shops, how when you want to be a tattoo artist, the first place you start is with the broom. You start with the broom and you sweep the tattoo parlor and you can do this for six months to fucking 10 years. It's, uh, it's all based on when you gain the trust for someone to take an interest in you and be like, I'm going to show you a trade because I think you're worth worth showing this to and I'm going to invest time in you and you're going to return that by helping me, you know, apprentice, you know, it it was a much more of like an apprentice situation in, in a lot of these things when it came to trust. And I think too, that was how seeds were. Yeah.
1: I mean, if you go back, um, you know, uh, why did, you know, after Neville left uh, Sensi, for instance, why did he partner with Shanti? Yeah. Uh, Shanti was probably younger and more vigorous. You know, he kind of took him under his wing. There was yeah. a lot of that that happened. There was a lot of people that trained people coming up. Yeah, you know, and you learned from someone above you. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, Simon and uh, what's his fuck, uh, Adam, I guess. Yeah, and Tony from you know, so Adam from TH Seeds, Simon from Sirius Seeds, and uh, um, Tony, Tony from, from, from SAG Martha. Yeah, they all worked under Neville. Yeah. And then they learned enough and they learned what the fuck they were doing and they learned how to breed and they worked for him for a few years. And then they started their own
0: company called Cerebral. And and me, I, I like I was talking about earlier with Ronnie Dog, I learned from Jimbo, who he was referred to as his brother, but was like his uncle or cousin or something. I learned under him, you know, like and he was not it was not an easy person to learn under. But uh, I learned a lot, you know, and then later yeah. on learned a little bit under Neville. And and you get lucky sometimes. I le- I still learn a ton. Even even this far in my career, I'm learning a ton under CSI. It just it's it's how it goes. I mean, Always twenty
4: years
1: twenty years ago, when I was in my early twenties or whatever, um, you know, you could go on the the breeder forums, uh, the of overgrow, for instance. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Sam Skunkman's on there. Yeah. And Tom Hill's on there, and Chimera's on there, and like guys that are like real good at what they're up to. Yeah. And know a lot and are opinionated and, you know, are, are fighting amongst each other over who's (laughs) what and how, yeah. (laughs) Battling over this or that. But in those battles, you get to see like, well, here's why I believe this. Yeah. You know, and you could read that stuff and you could get a lot more educated. Yeah. You know, um, and so, you know, you, yeah, you, you learn from, you learn from observation, you learn from someone teaching you, you learn from reading and various sources. I mean, someone asked me, uh, earlier today, like, you know, what's the, what's the go to how, if I wanted to start breeding, where would I want to learn? And I told him yeah. to go to marijuana botany. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I always tell everyone that it comes in here. Marijuana botany you, first place. If, if you want a primer,
0: Rob Clark did a real good job of laying out all the basics. So you might, yeah, I don't, I, don't think- anything's come close even remote like there's Greg Greens breeder's bible all that and respect to him but i don't think anything's come close uh to robert clark's um marijuana botany even though it's outdated it still has so much info that is never going to be outdated in it
1: it's it's like it it really is a true bible if you want yeah. the basics and you want the terminology and you want how the shit works and you know yeah. Um obviously, it was written a long time ago, so things have advanced in certain ways, but like um, it's still a really good core core thing to learn sure um, and that's and that's you know that you know so the other part of it is like people should probably realize that um when people bred uh i which did you call it with with red and chimera the shotgunning method, Matt
0: yeah, yeah, the shotgun scatter method, the male yeah. method you take yeah.
1: some males, you're like, these males look good to me. I'm going to throw them on these plants and see what happens. Sometimes you use one, sometimes you use five. Yeah. And then you'd have to grow up a bunch of seed and be like, which ones have the traits in them that I want to do for the next round. Yeah. You know? Um, And so we, it, it was kind of more, I think 20 years ago, it was a lot more traditional breeding. Yeah. You were forced to take multi-stage breeding. Yeah. For the most part.
2: Yeah.
3: I you know? I would say so.
1: Um yeah and and you know and so you know uh you know he someone mentioned subcool or gypsy nirvana i mean yeah the the general point is that more and more people started being able to offer seeds to the public yeah whether they were making their own seeds whether they were middlemanning seeds from other people mm-hmm. you know there started to be a wider variety of places where you could actually get them yeah i mean it started off with two Right? Sorry, Bren. doing a dance for me.
3: <laughs> no, I mean,
1: you went from you, you. used to have to go to Amsterdam, and and that's part of the reason why, like SSSC and Neville met all those important people. Yeah, because they were the only people doing what they did. So all these interested parties, whether it's Seattle Greg or Sam Skunkman or Rob Clark or um, Jim Ortega, they all met the same dudes. Yeah, because there's two of them. Right, and then there was ten, and then there was twenty, and so subcool was a lot of people's first breeder disappointment. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, you know,
1: there's a there's a there's a phrase uh, that, that's used a lot, not not in cannabis, but just in general, which is don't get to know your heroes. Yeah, you know, and it applies to music, it applies to art, it applies to a lot of things. Sometimes your heroes, the more you get to know them, the more you're impressed by them. Yeah, not sometimes it's. You're like, oh, my God, how did why do people think this way about this person? Yeah. You know, Um, and, uh, you know, and 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 so, you know, because seeds have always been shady. Always, you know, they're beans. They all look like some, you know, I mean, they don't have that much variation in them. Yeah. They look like seeds. Some of them are tiger strikes. Some of them are pale. Some are big. Some are small. But it's like, you know, you buy these things and you don't know what you get. months yeah and then it was all prohibition so what are you gonna like there's no like you're not gonna leave a bad
0: yelp review
1: yeah jumping online on amazon and being like this shit bag fucking i i suppose (laughs) you know like you didn't you were just like you told your friends and that was bunk but like there (laughs) wasn't you know like the forums were the first place that people started to talk
3: back and forth amongst like what'd you find
2: yeah right yeah
3: What'd you find, you know?
1: And so it's always been, it's always been a little bit rough because, uh, you know, I, I talked about it on a show earlier too, where people like Shanti and others, all those people in the second generation, they decided to start hiding the lineage of what they used Very much because so. they didn't want all their competitors to just copy them. Yeah. I have been trying to figure out what the exact parents are of AK 47 since AK 47 popped up in the mid nineties.
3: You and know, that, and I uh, did
0: invite uh, Simon on to talk about that um, and, and Luke from Paradise. Simon said he would, but Luke from Paradise is another one where you just don't know what the genetics are in any of his lines, but he's made some yeah, all really the, yeah, awesome scentsy, lines. Sensi Star? Yeah. Who knows? Who fucking knows? I mean, there's we, theories about it being a big Holyweed cross, all kinds of different shit. There's
1: all kinds of theories and they, they but you know, don't know, because Neville and, and Carell from SSSC didn't have any competition. They were just like, this is this and this. Yeah. This is how I got it. This is where I got it. This is what I did with it. Yeah. This came from a guy in New York in a bad seat here. it is. Yeah. This came from yeah. this. I, I bought these two cuts in Oregon and that's how I yeah. got the G13 and this hash plant, you know? Yeah. Um, and then the second wave, they all obscured most of what they were using and why. Yeah. And maybe they did it for competitive reasons, But for like historians or people really wanting to know the lineage, uh, I don't know how many hours Matt and I and and a group of our friends have spent trying to figure out what's. we've scoured everywhere looking for lineage on some of this stuff.
0: Oh, yeah. And you get hints here and there, but it's never anything you can go off of. Even if you can track down the original, quote unquote, breeder or person who released the seeds, nine times out of ten, you're still not going to know at the very end. Just because of the the nature of how they were made back then.
1: People say Cherry AK. Um, You know, AK was a very, it had a great name for the time. Mm -hmm. Simon only sold six things. um, And, you know, probably four of them were pretty fire. Yeah. Uh, And, uh, you know, and it's, um, you know, there was a Sandalwood AK in in Colorado. Uh, Matt's done a
0: bunch of work with the Cherry AK. Um, I had a lemon AK for quite a while too, that we did work with. There's RC Cola AK back in the day.
1: Yeah. It doesn't, I mean, even like who doesn't like Nebu or someone like that, get all upset and say, no one else could have a cherry AK, but him. Yes. Which is preposterous because if he found it in seeds of AK 47, it obviously can pop. Well,
0: I mean, he says technically he says he owns he owns cherry liqueur AK forty seven, but he owns also all of cherry AK forty seven that no one else has a right to use the name, is what he says.
1: Yeah, and obviously it's just a flavor profile that pops up <laughs> in that cross. Yeah, so it's like pretty hard to like be like I'm I'm trademarking this this terp.
0: And it wasn't even his strain,
1: but yeah. no, yeah. <laughs> no, it's like I'm the first one that came up, um, and uh, you know, and so you know he had but. What's in Kali mist? what's in the only one. I think he actually said that you knew something was he had white Russian. Yeah. White Russian. That's right. Which yeah. what, you knew half of it. Cause it was white widow by AK-47, AK 47. Yeah. You know, um, but AK and Kali and some, a lot of these different things, like people started obscuring what's actually in stuff. Yeah. You know, or they started taking famous names you remember when who was who the who is the group uh um that claimed to have
0: NL9 in Canada? Oh, I don't know on that one. Yeah. I remember NL6 from Kenny from Tricome Technologies that wasn't related to NL6.
1: Yeah, so there's so yeah. and you know th- that's the thing now is that you know we talked about Todd a little bit or whatever, but there's people that are popping up with these 80s and 90s seed lines. Yeah. And the names are so famous. Neville did say uh collymist is nl5 hayes uh but then neville was bitter and very fa- i like neville or i liked neville I mean, we'll he's put a that neville on. stan is what we call him yeah but neville was famous for being bitter and saying everybody in holland everything was from me yeah you know, they all ripped me off it, and
0: that happened anything. when he came back about nobody, nobody had nobody had anything Bush. nobody <laughs> had
1: anything original and I, yeah. you know to his to his credit i will say um You know, Adam and Simon and uh, and Tony left his company and started their own seed companies. Yeah. And all of a sudden had a bunch of lines really fast. Yeah. So it's a little sus.
0: Yeah. (laughs) and he's probably right that his stuff is in a
1: lot of what's around. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that, like, all the stuff that they used was from him. Yeah. But they
0: probably took some stuff. Yeah. Probably even some um, breed, probably even some breeding males. You know, what was always interesting to me about the whole um, hidden lineage type thing was that if these guys were super, super well schooled breeders, they would have known that even if the people had. Had the recipe, let's say they just had the generic recipe of white widow crossed the blueberry for blue widow. And they're like, ha, we figured it out. They could never remake it the same unless they had the exact same clones. Sure you know. Really it just didn't make any sense to me that they would ever hide the lineage, but yet it did happen. Pot of gold is fire. Someone's kind. I looked
1: at the comments Um, pot of gold and, uh, and the real McCoy were my two favorite lines from the flying Dutchman. Yeah. One of them was Hawaiian by skunk one. And the other one was a Hindu Kush by skunk one.
0: Yeah. I have a bunch of the real McCoy. I think that's the
1: Hawaiian one. It's the Hawaiian one. Yeah. They were really good. Um, You know? And so, yeah, they, uh, um, they were like the reason why the reason people, someone just asked how come a bunch of the other NL numbers aren't famous. Um, it's because after three or four years of breeding with them, Neville decided to use the one, the two and the female cut he found of the five basically. And that's it. Yeah. So the three, four, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, 10, 11, um, they just weren't sold. Yeah you know, they weren't sold. Um, and Greg only Seattle, Greg, he really, he only sent them to what he told, what did he tell us? He said he sent them to Neville and the dronkers. Yeah. So there was basically only Neville and
3: then Sensi.
2: Yeah.
1: And Sensi just ran with what Neville had already discovered at the seed bank. Yeah. So, you know, um, you know, and so that's kind of where they went is that, and it makes sense because if you think about it from Neville's perspective, I mean, he always used to joke that he could be like, I'm going to release the most fire line ever. And someone's like, oh, I found two bananas and it didn't yield as much. This line sucks. Yeah. Sucks ass. Yeah. Right. And so even back then, they people felt pressure from consumers.
2: Yeah. Some oh, degree. yeah.
1: And so, you know, people like to breed with stuff that makes happy customers. Yeah. You know, and else. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, 10, 11, or whatever, that were all like like messes of Afghan and, and sativa, <clears throat> they probably
0: were a big mess and a pain in the ass. Very likely. He said that he was using a lot of Indians, Mexicans, Colombians mixed up in that, in that bit. So there's going to be some wild shit that just wasn't good that they crossed to.
1: I mean, even today, most people don't want to grow something that's longer than nine or 10 weeks.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: You get some NL10 or whatever, and you grow it, and it takes
3: 13 weeks, and you shit can it. You know, most people would still do that today. Yeah, I would think so. Just because it's like it it,
1: you know, and so um, that I don't know, like it and so then maybe we should we should talk about something for a minute where it's like the real so for let's say from like 85 to 2005. Okay. um, It was it was all traditional breeding as the Lord intended. It was all males and females. Yeah. You know, Uh, you just you let a few males go in a room full of ladies Um, and all the traditional types of breeding were applied for the most part, because that's all anybody knew. Yeah. And then uh, around, um, you know, uh, I don't know. Matt knows better than me, but probably somewhere around, say, oh, six to 2010. Yeah. uh, A revolution happened in that um and I'll shut up here in a minute and let Matt talk but certain people started on the forums uh and doing research and stuff like that figuring out that you could you could induce a female plant to produce pollen yeah and you could make feminized seed yeah and that information was rare and tightly held and how to do it was basically unknown and at first Matt knows better than I do but it was kind of like who was it it was you and
0: well i mean if you if you start back with the feminized stuff you had dutch passion really starting it um hybe was doing some work on it sam the skunk man had covered a little bit of it fett from spice brothers had talked about it a bit and he was over in i think new zealand but as far as the american stuff it really didn't kick on into the american stuff till like og rascal hybe me csi and, and there were a few others, but um, Soma, yeah, Soma mentioned Soma. His his rotalization method was notorious, which was basically the torture method, the Herm torture method.
1: Right, so, the small um, pop, the extreme drought, the yes. beat the hell out of it, They get it to think it's dying multiple yes. times to the point where it freaks out and panics and throws some nanners that you can use.
0: Yeah, and and during during that... Period. Probably. I mean, I want to say all the way up to like, 2013, 2014. Fem seeds were just looked down upon, or at least the general consensus was all fems herm, all fem seeds herm. They all produce poor fucking progeny. It's all it's all riddled with shit and mutants, and you know, and yep. and it and even though that wasn't the case, and people weren't finding that, it didn't matter. It's or, because it was such a, a common a common theme that Don't people forget, Matt, that that? you were cheating, cheating. I was, there
1: was cheating. A huge, there was a huge yeah. issue with, with feminized seed where most customers felt like you were cheating.
2: Yeah. You were cheating skipping and steps. destroying, destroying were, the
1: genome. You were fucking up lines. Mm-hmm. You were selling out for profit. You yeah. were getting rid of males and getting rid of traditional breeding so that you could, um, you could skip steps and profit. Yeah. And people were looked down on. Yeah. For feminized breeding. Yeah. And I should make the point. The reason why I said, it, you know, that era was because all the first people that Matt mentioned, they were not sharing how they did it. No, you couldn't find out from Dutch passion how they were making feminized seed. No, no. You, they couldn't, didn't want that you couldn't find out from fe- You couldn't find out from any of these people. Yeah. Right. So did it exist? Yes. Was it hidden knowledge?
0: 100%. One of the first people I did actually see say how to do it was Fett. Um, and he released someone else's info that was around, but Fett put it out there pretty wide. And it was the first recipe um, on how to make STS mixture that I saw. But I, Caleb remembers better than me on who was the original person that wrote it. But my first introduction to it was when Fett published it.
3: All right. And so, you know. Yeah, that stuff was, um, someone said colloidal silver was hidden knowledge.
1: You know, people want to say that, like, all the knowledge that people have right now, um, even with breeders like Matt or like CSI or people that have been doing feminized seeds for the last 10 to 12, 14 years, it's still an art form with a lot of failure, Yes. And there was a lot of failure in the beginning. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to spray collodial silver. Or I'm going to spray some STS. And now I'm done. Yeah. You know, when I was doing a bunch of breeding, you don't really fail with males. No, no. You, I've never had a male failure. You know, like you d- I, I never had I never like was like, oh, I failed that whole seed run. And now I'm growing like 18 different strains, one or two of each. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You'd, you'd have one or two or three males. And they would produce an enormous amount of pollen for your whole room. Yeah. Um, when people first started experimenting, and and let's be clear, we're not done experimenting. <clears throat> no. Matt no, and I and CSI and I, and, and Matt and CSI and other various friends, we talk all the time about improving methods,
0: limiting failure. Everyone fails. Yeah. They were trying to trying to find the consistent what. What brings consistency in reversals is it's very hard. I mean, me, I talked about this with CSI three or four times a week, just our different findings and, and comparing our notes and all that shit. And it's just, we, no one's found a consistent way to guarantee that every plant, every expression of every plant, meaning not just pheno, but it's ex- like expressions in the, of the same clone two feet apart. Why one, reverses and drops pollen and the other reverses and doesn't there we have no answers to this yet i mean and it's always experimenting they've done you know they've done things where it's like
1: matt or him have have reversed something and it's worked like a charm and they've gotten unbelievable results and it's dumped pollen yeah and then they go back and they use those same plants to reverse them again and they do the same thing to the plant and it fails yeah or or drops 10 percent of the amount of pollen it should yeah um and so you know i see i see our buddy pip yeah he, he failed i mean yeah. and failure is really frustrating for a breeder yeah you know you you might only get if, if you're non-stop breeding you might only get three or four cracks at breeding a year
0: and if you want to buy the SDS spray it's on um riotseedco.com we got mm-hmm. our, our reversal spray up someone asked about it so i'm gonna say it. uh reversal spray up at riotseedco.com where you can buy it um but just just read the, read the directions. Cause I'm very, very transparent. Sometimes you're going to have to try three or four times not to get it to reverse, but to drop pollen. There's a big difference. Reversing doesn't mean success. No. Showing balls doesn't mean success. You only have success when it drops pollen and makes seeds
1: and makes so, yeah. seeds. And, and, you know, even just on the forums and all the learning of like how much of what of each to use. Should yeah. I use collodial silver? Should I use STS? Should I use this other thing? Should I use that? Have I tried this? Yeah. Do I need less concentration? Do I need more concentration? When do yeah. I combine them?
0: Do I apply it once strong? Do I apply it fifteen times a week? And if you do all that and get success and try to repeat it the next time the exact same way with all the same inputs, it may not perform the same way. It's it's so uh it, it's frustrating. It is. So in a way, um, You know, uh,
1: the, the forum slowly, slowly pushing feminized seed was like a sea change in how people bred. Yeah. Because before everyone had to have males and everyone had to keep those males and everybody traded seed and there, and then people were like, oh, I can take this elite and I can reverse it and cross it to these other elites. Yeah. And so now most breeders honestly don't even have males. A Bl- lot don't, no. Yeah. Most most it's it's completely shifted in the last ten to fourteen years from like a few people getting shit on for daring to <clears throat> reverse plants and cheating mm-hmm. to being the way everyone does it.
0: Yep. <clears throat> and Everyone's- I made I made a backward switch where I did almost all exclusively feminized breeding for a long time. And Went back to doing mostly male breeding, despite selling the spray, just because uh, it is costly. It is super costly to make fem seeds because of uh, the failure. I mean, we've talked about it. We've talked about it
1: before, and and our like uh, our our buddy Pip commented, but um, we've had a bunch of really good friends that have tried to reverse sour and uh, um, and failed. Yeah, you know. Or, you know, I remember, you know, you know, Pip reversed it once and got like 30 seeds. Yeah. It's so obvious. you do this, you do this whole thing. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I have a little handful for myself, but I can't actually yeah. sell them to the public. I don't even have enough to give to my friends. Yeah. I think CSI, the first two or three times he tried to reverse TK, it failed. Yeah. It was real bad. And he yeah. kept trying different methods to even get the thing to reverse. Yep. And he finally got it to reverse and it gave him about 10 or 15% of the seeds he would normally get from something that reversed well. Yeah. Um, So, you know, it, it's completely shifted how people breed. It's completely shifted what they're after. It's completely shifted like what, um, you know, what, uh, uh, what customers expect. Because when I was talking about in the beginning, a lot of these seed lines, they would be available for like five or 10 years. Yeah. Most seeds today are one-offs. Right. Yeah. And maybe that yeah. same breeder yeah, will go back and redo the line again, mm-hmm. but most seeds exist from however many seeds that dude got
0: or that lady got until they're gone. Yeah. And someone's you asking about reg pollen on fen plants. It's totally fine. It's totally it's fine. fine. A lot of, a lot of today's clone-only lines that are being hit are, fems they're just made with bag seed herms so i mean it's it's so common that it, it, it's in moot point yes yeah. and, so, and yeah you you could have things that you don't realize are a femme
1: plant but yeah. off, you know and you know um there i we i do have some thoughts on why things re- don't reverse well that could be a show in itself yeah um but people people should think about um you know, cause one of the things that breeders get hated on the most, which I'm actually supportive of is Herms. Yeah. Um, because you've got to think about for, <laughs> for forever of cannabis history, Herms were a survival tool Yeah, that allowed female plants to pollinate themselves and continue the species. If for some reason the males got killed or the pollen failed, or they weren't around. Yeah. And so lots of strains hermed.
3: Yeah. And then in the beginning, all the weed was seeded. So why would you care if it hermed? Yeah. It was relevant. You're selling
1: seeded weed, all the Thai, all the Colombian, all the Mexican, all this, that. It was all, it was all seed. It was all seeded. Yeah. So it's only really, herm started only really becoming an issue for people in probably the 90s, late 80s, early 90s, when people were growing indoor and, and they had a very small amount of weed they were trying to grow for them or their friends or whatever. And they didn't want to get a seated room. (coughs) Right? Yep. Um, But those herms had been bred in as a survival mechanism for cannabis for millennia, probably.
3: And and there's only been about 30 years of pressure to get rid of them.
0: Yeah. Right? And then now the cookies is the abundance. (laughs) It's back in full form. Well, what happens, too, is somebody mentioned (laughs) S1s.
1: You know, yeah. and stuff and, and, you know, S1s, I'll be the, maybe I'm not the first to tell you, but S1s kind of suck, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, obviously I have friends that sell s one so I'm not dissing it, but even they will tell you mm-hmm. that like the primary goal of an S1 is to find, to look in that exact strain without an outcross and yes. see what's in its genetics. Or for preservation period. Yeah. Or for preservation you know, and, and you're more likely to try to find an, a, an elite or two or something you like um, than you are to get any kind of consistency. Yes. You know, um, if you want consistency and you want phenols to pop at some rate, an outcross is better.
2: Yeah. Or um, S2.
1: But in a lot of cases, there might only be one cutting left of an entire line for you to work through. Yeah. There might not be a male, you know, there, people don't keep males either. So how do you get a male of Trinity? Yeah. How do you, how do you get a male of dog shit? How do you get a male of corn? How do you get a male of, of, you know, you name it. Yeah. You know, and in a, in a lot of cases you can't, you used to be able to get males by you'd buy the seed line and it was a regular seed line. Yeah. Now that it's almost all femme, you can't even get a male if you wanted to. Yeah. It would take some, uh, a lot of work. People say, why are some S1s uniform and some aren't? Because if you have a bunch of uniform S1s, it means that there's not very much genetic variation in that cut whatsoever. If you get a bunch of crazy stuff all over the place, it means that you have a pretty wide genetic lineage in there.
0: And yeah. it's going to express in all kinds of different ways. So so to, to dumb it down, it just means... Uh, if, if you have a bunch of variation, you have a line that would probably wasn't worked. If you have a, a uniform line, it was probably whatever that clone was came from a line that was either worked or already uniformed to begin with by nature.
3: Yeah.
1: You know, yeah. so, um, you know, and, and so males have become super rare, you know, and and all that. And everyone is.
3: And so breeding has gone from almost a guaranteed success. To very
0: dicey. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. And in, and in, in, uh, natural agriculture or like agriculture, normal agriculture, most, most breeding work is done with selfing and feminizing. It's, it's not a lot of male work. Um, cannabis is just catching up to that, just catching
3: up to it. And, you know, it, um, and that's the other
1: part of it is like real, real, bre- I don't want to say real breeding. Cause I don't want to insult anyone, but agricultural breeding they are breeding with very specific goals in mind yeah you know um mostly because breeding is goals mostly <laughs> that's what it is well i mean in cannabis breeding i don't know if it's goals no seed making
0: seed making in cannabis is not goals but actual breeding,
1: actual have to breeding. Have a set of so goals. so for instance if you're breeding something like I mean, i'll just throw it out there like corn you might be yeah. going for ear size and disease resistance and pest resistance and when it finishes and you have certain traits you're looking for. Yeah. And if you're going to sell or you're going to like breed on that level, you're finding plants that match all those characteristics and you're trying to lock them in. Yeah. You know, um, for the way we breed
3: now, most people are just, most people aren't growing rooms of seed anymore. You're just pheno hunting for a lot of
1: people. Yeah. You know, so there's not a lot of breeders that are like, I need to be able to breed this super consistent Urkel by snow because people are going to plant acres of it. And these are the qualities they're looking for when they plant it. Yeah. You're like crossing things and then hoping, you know, hoping something pops up. And so, you know, our buddy bitter just said, breeding should be goal oriented. It should.
2: Yeah. I mean, be goal oriented.
1: And the more goals you add to what you want, the harder you made your job. Yeah. It's real hard. The more you start adding to it, finding what you want in one plant, the more things you put on that plant that you have to have is tough. Yeah. You know? Um, And so a lot of times now, maybe we should talk about this for a second, because this is totally your era where it's like when breeding, breeding became, I'm going to reverse this plant. That's an elite. That most people can't get. Yeah. And I'm going to cross it to these 10 or 15 things that you also probably can't get. Yeah. And I'm going to sell seeds and you probably can't get either parent, but here's a hybrid. Yeah. And you've already gotten excited about both parents. So maybe there's something cool in the hybrid. I haven't tested it, but there's a lot of breeders out there now that don't test their own work. Yes, correct. They take the, they're going to be like, you know, and I'm, I'm not calling anybody out specifically, but it's like, I'm going to take gelato this and I'm going to reverse it onto the 12 most popular cuts I know of that are yeah. getting decent, a decent ticket. And then I'm going to add packaging and I'm going to make a special name for each one. And I'm going to hope somebody finds something bomb and it helps my sales. Yeah. You do, you don't, yeah, you do lose, you do you lose hybrid vigor with S1. There isn't a hybrid vigor. There is no hybrid you're breeding you know, with
0: your you can lose vigor yes with s1s however depending on it, it, it's it's, it's a, it depends on how you compare it because there's lines that are old clones that are slow and if you if you make s1s of it it'll make it look like you've given the line new vigor but it's just because you were growing an old slow clone so they, it depends on how people look at it but hybrid vigor it 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 like like not so saying it it implies hybrid hybridizing, and if it's an s one it's selfing not hybridizing the way I look at maybe this is a bad definition
1: too because we could talk about how misused uh names are in in you know people get breeding terms from other areas and try to apply them to cannabis, yeah, and it doesn't it's not exactly a straight because we don't have the same kind of breeding techniques, but generally speaking uh hybrid vigor is when you take two p1 parents and cross them and in the hybrid all of the
0: dominant genes pop it's not just two p1 parents though it's two specifically different genotypes it has it's not they can't be similar in order to get it has to be two totally different to get the hybrid figure
1: so you know a famous one would be you know i don't know nl5 haze or something yeah yeah would be one a very a very indica with a very sativa very different lineages pops right yes um and so and that's another thing too is people don't like this and this is this is what's like if you look on some of the lineage stuff of like i'm going to cross cushments by apples and banana by this and that like there's so much incestuous stuff that's gone on because people have overused the same clones over and over and over and over again yeah most of the most successful crosses are by crossing vastly different things from one another. Breeding yeah. today is a lot more of, I wonder if I can find my own slight variation on this already popular theme. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I'm not yeah, saying exactly everyone. I'm not no, saying the majority everyone. Does that. The majority There's exceptions, has, but the majority is. is looking for, this is already popular. Maybe I can get, maybe the name and maybe the look and maybe the pictures will catch on. Yeah. And if I get one famous thing, I'm, you know, I'm not going to call them out, but like, um, look at what finding Mac one did for, for cap. Yeah. You know, somebody finds a, a what they consider to be a killer pheno in your stuff. And all of a sudden the next however, however many seed drops you have sell out. Yeah. And there's hype around it. Yeah. But most people don't find their own stuff because they're not, um, they're not growing their own stuff. Yeah. Honestly, like uh, our buddy Caleb is one of the few people where you can just see years and years and years of him popping his own seeds at him. Yeah. I'm going to answer
0: this question real quick um, because it's one I see a lot and and it's, there's no steadfast answer to it. Um, It was from Nigel, no friends. How much phenotypic, genotypic variation do you experience from S1s? Have read a lot of contradicting information, and the answer is: it really depends on how worked one parent was. If it's if it's a self, how how worked that clone was, and how not worked the the pollen donor is. Um, if if it's a worked line, let's say it's a, a a a deep chunk. Let's go deep chunk. If it's a deep chunk, and you S one deep chunk, you're not going to have very much variation at all because it's a worked line. There's already very few phenotypes in the line that you selected the clone from. Let's say you choose like Cushman's, you, you S1 a phenotype of Cushman's. Well, there's all kinds of bullshit in that. I mean, it's, it's going to be variant to, to any degree, you know? So that's, that's why there, there's no specific answer to uh, how much variation is it in an S1. It, it just really depends on the parents.
1: And another way to put it, and uh, uh, Caleb talked about this before, where it's like, let's say you were to S1 deep chunk. Yeah. And you were to give out a bunch of those seeds and let people make their own selections, because there's not much variation in that line, the people's own selections, they're probably gonna look a lot like deep chunk. Yeah. But he's he's talked about like how the Mendo P that I that I found has very, very wide variation in in the S ones, which leads us to believe that it might be an actual land race, right? Um, so you could he's like, you know, you could give 50 or hundred seeds to 20 people. And tell them, pick what they want. And then if you had them two years later, all gather and bring the weed that they had created. It would look vastly different because people would be making their own choices. And that's actually some of the stuff even early on, like people like Mel Frank that sent Durbin to Holland or different things. Breeders will tell you, well, it was this way when I had it. Yeah. But then I gave it to these guys and they made different choices than I would have. Yeah. And now it's not even remotely like what I preferred. Yeah. Because they made different choices than I did. Sure. I liked it. Anise and they made it all red hair and sweet. Yeah. Or bite or this or that or whatever. So, um, you know, it, uh, so S1, S one S S one is just a tool. Like these nice. are all just, yep. these are all just tools. There's no, there's no like better way than another necessarily Um, they're all just like, based on what you're looking for, you know, um, are you looking for, you know, it's never really happened before, but like, are you looking for like, I want to plant 10 acres and I want it to be uniform. Something like as uniform as deep chunk would be very valuable for them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, something like, you know, but there's other, there's other lines that are all over the place that wouldn't be very good for that. Yeah. But that line that's all over the place, it might be amazing to find a unique expression that you can then clone and name and all of a sudden it becomes an elite. And,
0: and to add to that, a lot of people don't understand that when you select a clone uh, from, a, from a wide varied line, let's say it's you, you pop a thousand seeds and it's the only clone like it, if you select that clone to breed, it may not be breeding true to the type that it is. Because it was an outlier, it may only show up 1 in 500 times in the F2 round. So it doesn't necessarily mean because you picked that clone, it's always going to be like that clone. If that clone is an outlier, you are not going to run into that clone very often. It'll be more often than you did in the F1. But however, it'll still not be very often. Yeah, it could be an odd combination
1: of recessive traits. Yep. And just because it popped in that particular female doesn't
3: mean it'll pop in its progeny. Yeah either
1: Friend's fucking with me.
3: sorry <laughs> that's all right
1: and you know people there was a guy up there saying get rid of all the anise you know um you know everybody has strong opinions about various flavors i don't think we should get rid of any flavor um because everyone has different preferences
0: yeah yeah
1: you know um, there was, yeah, a time... don't say that
0: in here. Cause then Gene's going to think that I'm fucking shit talking him and fucking all that shit. No, I mean, I... There, there was a time Four when, minutes.
1: there was a time when, uh, when, um, you know, like terpenaline in, uh, in, uh, fuck, uh, you know, in Jack or yeah. train wreck was loved it was certainly loved yeah it was absolutely loved and then it bred so true for itself that people got burned out on the true penalty yeah people fucking a man people like cali o and all this citrus stuff came out and it was hella popular for a minute and then it's like moderate potency and kind of one note and it sort of faded from it sort of faded from the world a little bit yeah and then, you know, the dab revolution happened, you know, with, and nails started coming out and all these accoutrements to be able to, like, smoke hash in a different way. Yeah. And fucking DNA comes out with tangy. Yeah. And the most blown out terp that nobody wanted was new again. And yeah. people were like, oh, this citrus is just phenomenal. Oh, my God. Yeah, i right? stoked on this citrus. Where did this come from? Where 10 yeah. years before, people would be like, ooh, citrus. No, no, no
0: yeah i don't want no fucking citrus i called that shit headache weed man i always i i was not a fan of uh calio or uh any kind of tangy or any of that shit but it's what's interesting
1: about that kind of stuff is when Tangi came out you know um because it came out in the first few years of sort of like the modern like hash dab revolution yeah it's not very potent no but so it didn't as, matter as, as flour you'd get bored of it pretty quickly yeah, but you turn it into BHO, or you turn it like there wasn't rosin really. Then you turn it into some kind of extract, and yeah. now it goes from like thirteen percent THC to
0: eighty. Yeah,
1: and it gets and everything's
0: potent at that point.
1: You know, and there was an there was another aspect too, where it's like a lot of times with extractions, not all those terps come through strong. Yeah, but those citrus terps popped strong. So all of a sudden, they had it's like bell bottoms coming back or something. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you couldn't give them away. And then all of a sudden the next generation is like, this citrus
3: is incredible. Can we get more lemon? Can we get more orange? Can we get more tangerine? Yeah. And it's kind of faded. Right? Yeah. I mean, we had a, our, our buddy, uh, our buddy Pip rocked that
1: lemon G cut. Yeah. A lot. You know, and so things go in and out of things, go in and out of in and out of flavor. You know, Uh, I
2: I was talking
0: about that with Panda the other day. I was smoking some Georgia pie and I had no no fucking clue what it was like, what was in it. Mm -hmm. But Lemon G has this certain specific fucking flavor that runs through all of its progeny. And it's this thing like for me, I could not scrape that flavor off my tongue hard or fast enough. But I smoked that Georgia pie and you can immediately sense it in there, but it's not listed in the genetics. So I, yeah. I hope those people who have it out there, give it, give it a, give it a little flavor puff. And if you have some lemon G to compare it to, uh, uh tell me if I'm right. <laughs> so, it, you know, and someone,
1: someone was talking about just, just now, like they were talking about how, uh, um, you know, uh, train wreck, train wreck was kind of unique because it was like, it was one of the first named clones in Humboldt. Yeah. It yielded really big people were all of a sudden going indoors and stuff and getting big yields out of it. Um, and you know, Jack Herrera becoming so popular burned people out on the terp for probably 10 years. Yeah. And train wreck being just fucking everywhere for a while. Yeah. Train wreck. And they just, it just gets burned out, you know? And mm-hmm. so, you know, flavors and terp profiles come and go. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I don't really like, like for me, like, like that kind of citrus isn't that popular. Cause I think it's too mm. one dimensional for me, but mm. I do like the sweet citrus. There's some of it where it's, it, 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 it tastes like I opened my mouth and sprayed orange cleaner on directly on my tongue.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like a stringent. Yeah. That's how I feel about lemon G is it's just like having a lemon grow a dick and piss in your mouth.
1: Yeah. You know? And so Like if you like sushi or whatever, like uh, citrus could be like a really good, like, like pickled ginger. It could be like a really good palate cleanser before you smoke something else. But most people can't rock citrus all day long. No, no. You know, they get get burned out on it. But some people love it. So it tends to like, you know, I mean, that's that's kind of the thing where um, I can't remember who commented on it. But we were talking a bunch about skunk one in a previous episode. And there was an era where like they gypsy Nirvana and those different guys, they all gave away skunk one as freebies.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Because Long they had time.
1: a, because they had a shit ton of it. and Nobody wanted to buy
0: it. Nobody wanted skunk one.
1: Nobody, nobody, you couldn't sell it for shit. So he's like, God, no. I got thousands of these things. Maybe I'll at least just give them out as free. Or remember when they were, everyone was giving out skunk haze. Yeah. Yeah. Or skunk haze. Yeah. The thunk. The thunk. Yeah. The thunk. Yeah. The thunk. And then, you know, now all of a sudden people are like, oh, what old, rare skunk one can you find? Yeah. Give me some of that old, rare skunk one. And there's people from 15 <laughs> years ago, they're giving, you mean the shit that they were giving out for free and nobody wanted? Yeah. And I'm not even dissing it. No, it's just how it was. It's just, it's just people, things go in and out of fashion. Yeah. You know? Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, uh, the blue flavor. Mm -hmm. does it taste like blueberries
0: yes whoa i've never smoked weed that tasted like blueberries i want to get some of that yeah (laughs) right a good blueberry should taste like blueberries
2: yeah
1: you know and and so you know um super skunk is not still around uh oh you mean from scentsy I, i just mean like like there aren't what we know of for sure as pure super skunk cuts we believe Jizzle is a, is, is there's a lot of stuff that's derived from it.
0: Yeah. I think Jizzle is probably one of the closest, but I, yeah, we don't know if it's a hybrid of super skunk technically, like we can't say. We we can look at it and be like, man, it really has a lot of super skunk traits.
2: Yeah. It's
1: extremely yeah. skunkoid in the, yeah. it grows, in the way that it grows and the way that it, this and the way that that, but. Maybe that's, maybe that's something that we should talk about because Matt and I talked about it when we were kind of like mapping out what we wanted to chat is that every five or 10 years, uh, what you can get from seed reinvents itself. And so there's all these distinct errors. Yeah. And I, I mentioned it before on, a, on, a, on another thing, but we were, Matt and I were looking through a friend's um, freezer that he was getting rid of. And yes. it had an enormous amount of seeds from like oh eight to tw- to two thousand twelve. Yeah, and I would say ninety nine percent of them. If you wanted to buy a pack of it today, you couldn't get it. Yeah, yeah. There
2: definitely. was there was tons there, in there you could never get. There
1: it. was there was stuff from Mister Knight. There was a, there was a few things here and there that you could get from the same company, but yeah. for the most part, it was all like.
3: But that stuff at the time was hella popular. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was everywhere back then, but it
2: was was
1: everywhere. It was hella popular. And then, you know, he talked about OG Rascal, OG Rascal for three or four years. You know, he had a bunch of good cuts and he was one of the first guys doing feminized seed
0: and he made a bunch of fire. Yeah. He even had a super skunk cut. That was uh, the 56 day super skunk. I want to say
1: something Mm -hmm. like that. But you, you, you couldn't, you can't find that shit now. No, no, it doesn't exist. So So what happens is seeds, people talk sensi sensi still exists, but you you can't get anything like you would get from ninety sensi. No, nothing. You can't get you can't get nineties serious seeds. Yeah. I mean, some of these people might get mad at me for saying it, but it's just like it's just not the way shit works. It does it just doesn't work. It's different. The parents are different. Maybe they had to reconstitute the line from seed, you know. Um maybe they outsourced it to Spain. Who knows?
3: Yeah.
1: Um, most of most, sure. most, most, most seeds are they're there until they're not there. And then after you know, 10 years or something like that, the only thing that exists might be a cut or two.
2: Yeah.
0: Right? Well, sure. we're, we're about almost at 100 minutes. So we'll start turning this down. Yeah, we're going in far. So yeah. Is there anything I, I, else we wanted to get in? You know, I mean, th- this is a big topic, you know, I just it thought a that
3: huge topic.
1: I just thought that it would be good for people to chat about. There's a lot of misconceptions about what breeders are up to and what yeah. they're doing and what their methods are. And, 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 you know, um, all that and like breeding has evolved a lot and yeah. breeding also evolves based on competition and based on what the customers want.
2: Yeah. The right now the co-
0: It's the customers drive it fully now It's Because because the prices are so low on wheat currently, I don't think that there is a a an option for breeders to try to drive a market as much based on um, their own hype, their own, you know, like building a brand, building the line. It's not like it was.
1: No. And I think there was a when I was doing most of my breeding, there was there wasn't really American breeders. There wasn't really an outlet. Yeah. For those kind of seeds. That I, you know, we were, we, we wanted to be, but this was, it was too early. Yeah. And there was kind of, I would say there's probably a like 10 year explosion of American breeders and all kinds of people being able to jump in and be like, I'm going to make crosses with this.
2: Yeah.
0: And that's kind of, I think we're coming to the tail end of that now. Yeah, we definitely are. People are having to figure out whole different ways of reinventing their companies themselves, how seeds are sold, how they're marketed. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and, and just, you know, and on top of that, it's like, it was profitable for a while. Yeah. And, and the profit is, is, you know, uh, profit is defined, you know, most of these seed companies were all supported by a bunch of small and medium sized growers with extra money in their pocket. Yeah. So as it becomes more centralized and it becomes more legalized, then there's less money going around. There's less desire to hunt through things. Yeah. Less ability. Yeah. Yeah, and, and even and even then too, it's like people today, if you want to start breeding today, you're gonna to get a hodgepodge of plants that are a mix of everything that's been popular in the last fifteen years.
0: Big worm <laughs> it was the high water mark we're holding his dick picture. Got like that was the <laughs> high that was the highest point we ever got. That's for damn sure. I I mean, you know, a lot of
1: these a lot of these people got famous for a minute. Yeah. In certain circles, you know, yeah, um, yeah, you know, lucky dog, lucky dog is is our is our buddy. Uh, You know, he he uses a lot of real cuts, yeah. And one of the best ways to be a good breeder, uh, as Neville would say, is to have good good plants to work with.
0: Yeah, you can and, be. And he knows good weed. He's been around good weed forever. That's a major advantage.
1: Yeah, knowing then, good weed, knowing good weed, and and honestly. Um, Maybe uh, I always, I always get weirded out when I talk about this, but maybe we could finish a little bit on this is that what's happened a lot with IG as we're on IG is uh, yeah. um, it's, it's become very visual. Yeah. Uh, breeding and people's desire for stuff has become extremely visual and extremely testing based and mm-hmm. extremely named based where 20 years ago, 15 years ago, it was mostly effect based. Yeah. Right. Things became popular because they had a great flavor, or great effect. Yeah. Right. Uh, because most people couldn't see it. Right. And so people bred for effect. And there's yeah. a there's a corollary here where in uh, I don't know, most people I don't know if people know this or not, but pit and like Staffordshire Terriers are basically the same breed. Right. Yes. Like Staffordshire yeah. Terriers are bred for looks. And mm-hmm. back in the day, when when actual dog fighting was still allowed, pit bulls were bred for what was called game. Yeah, right. And game was basically a—I uh, don't approve of dog breeding, by the way—but it's a good example. Game was yeah. basically um, uh, a complete disregard for its own health and a willingness to just get crazy and fight to the death. Yeah. But you couldn't like, but much like with cannabis and smoking it, you can't see game. Yeah. Game isn't shoulder structure and chin and jaw and color. It's none of that. You have to find it in there. So yeah. you can't tell if weed's going to knock your head off by looking at it. No, you sure can. not You know, there's a lot of ugly weed that hits me way, way harder than some of the prettiest weed I've ever seen.
0: That tests at like 8% and it will knock your head off harder than the pretty. No, weed that like tests a lot it's of good it. sours or whatever they test in the low
1: 20s. Yeah, exactly. You could get some purple punch that tested 30% and I can't even tell I'm smoking weed. Yeah. And so there's a lot of, uh, as people have bred for looks and bred for testing. Yeah. They've lost that invisible effect. Yeah. People call it the entourage effect. They think, oh, it's some combination of THC and terps and this and that and the or whatever. We don't really know what it's all there yet. Yeah. You know, and but and we know that, that but people used to breed for effect and yeah. people used to hold on to things that had unique effects. And cookies and these and, and these type of things started ushering in a wave and IG is super to blame um for you know for looks. Yeah. It looks gorgeous. You know, oh this amazing tropicana cookies. It looks incredible. What a great job. And then it doesn't get me high. And then you smoke it. And you're like fucking tangy, motherfucker. Yeah, I mean, like you know, who wants a girlfriend that's like a true ten, but she's mean to you? You know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like you know, it's like that's that's no fun either. You know, it's like what? Yeah. Oh yeah, she lo- looks amazing. You're so lucky. And like, oh no, not when the door closes. She's totally rude. And All she sucks every dude's dick. Yeah, she <laughs> cheats on me, and she treat, and she's hella mean. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Yeah. You know, and so there's a lot of bland weed right now. There's yeah. a lot of very attractive, very bland weed. Yeah. A lot of blackberry kush out there. A lot of bland weed. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, you know, smoking for effect, effect is invisible. You can't, you don't know it till you try it. There's That's nothing, crazy. there's no testing. You know, maybe we could get Chimera on here and he totally disagrees with me and make me look foolish. But I still think that the best test is the smoke test.
0: Yeah. Robots can't smoke weed.
2: And I'll,
1: I'll go to, I'll go to bat for that. I don't care. Yeah, I would too. Because at the, because at the end result, what matters is how it affects me. Yeah. Or you. Yeah. But one of us, and, you know, yeah, it's like, it's, it's whole, it's it, our whole desire for it is for it to, I want it to work good and taste good. Yeah. Those are the top two things for me. Yeah. And, a, effect and flavor. Now, if I can get great yield and I can get great looks, and I can get all this other stuff. Great.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, but it's not I'd rather have it taste, taste and work phenomenal. Yeah. Because in a joint, you know. It looks like a white, a white or a tan piece of paper, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. In a, in a
1: bong rip. in a, you know, I mean, what is it? You know, you extract it. You don't even know what it looks like. Yeah. Now it's goo. Yeah, all 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 extractions look the same to me. I've never all understood. Good. I mean there's different types or whatever. Oh yeah, but I mean
0: in general it's all a fucking extract. You're looking yeah. at goo. Or it's
1: you're all looking good. at it's all rip. different types of goo. So it's yeah. like, you know, at that at that point, uh what did uh, what did Chimera call it? Uh you're a resin farmer. Yeah, that's right. You're farming resin. You yeah. Know, the flour content and stuff like that. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter. So I'm big on effect. Yeah. Uh, but effect doesn't come through IG.
3: It's a no, lot it does
0: It's a lot not harder. It's a lot harder to build rep off effect because you actually have yeah. to smoke it. Yeah. Where and it's, it's not like, something test results can tell you by looking at the test results, yeah. unfortunately.
1: No, not yet, at least. We can't, or, you know. But tomorrow, Burner and, and Chris Compound could come out with the new new. Yeah. And it could be all glistening and perfect lighting and professional camera work and all that shit and everyone would ooh and ah and this and that. Nobody even knows if it's any good. Yeah. Maybe its effect is boring. Yeah, yeah. I remember a specific example of that I won't say, but yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I just wanted to throw that out there at the end. If we're going to talk about all that is that, you know, breed for what's important. Yeah. And the most important thing is effect, right? Yeah. Because it's that's what me. you're, that's how it affects you. Yeah. And it doesn't affect everyone the same. So, you know, try to smoke it with a decent variety of friends. Yeah.
3: And see what they think, too. That's how you find winners. That's how you find real keepers, in my opinion. And that's and, that, and
1: to be honest, that's the reason why, you know, sop, some, so, like a lot of these things from 20 years ago are going to have their day in the sun again. I hope so because so. because well look at all the people right now coming out with i have real sour yeah that's true that's a good point good point you know look at how many people still breed with kush yeah look at how many you know it's like look at how many people on these Coast like some friend you know are breeding with nl5 hazes and stuff like yeah she has lasting power
2: yeah
3: you know where will purple punch be in 10 years i hope everywhere i love that <laughs> 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 Well anyway. Uh, yeah, all right. Um
0: I guess Looks- we're I you know, you're gonna plug anything. Um yeah, go check out the website, riotseedco.com. Um we got a breeders packs up, we've got the spray up. Um uh you go check out speakeasy dot dot com. And breeder Syndicate has a bunch of new episodes we've been dropping up. Um some of it's old content, but newer episodes and some of them kind of fallen in the in the unhearable range, meaning like they just kind of disappeared. Now they're back up. So go check them out, go listen to them, go support, please like and review, or even if you don't like it, leave a review and say fucking I suck, do whatever, just go interact with it. Hopefully,
1: hopefully you like it. Oh, radio. Yeah. That outlet behind me, it's a, it's a, I don't know why there's some interesting design choices in this house. (laughs) I got an Alex gray canvas behind me there you um, go it's it's an improvement from the from the wall that I had before but yeah we're gonna throw these up on podcast too we're gonna try to do them every Friday and yep. just talk about random stuff so you can always hit up me or Matt with subject matter or ideas that yep. you might want to get talked about at length um and
0: oh yeah uh, join the Join the, the Patreon, Breeder Syndicate Patreon. Like a lot of you asking for Notso to preview, His his approval list is fucking miles long. So the best way to talk to Notso is on the Breeder Syndicate Patreon. Go join. And yeah, you talk and, we're, like we're just, day. and you
1: know, we're trying to do this thing where we talk about stuff that mostly isn't about us. Yeah. And we're not trying to like self promote or anything. We're just trying to get a wide variety of weed information out there
0: and hopefully people like it. Yeah, so people can you know, use it. Learn it. Learn for yes. themselves how to be critical thinkers.
1: We had, a, we had a, a, a too long of a break, but we're back at it. We're going to try to be pumping this stuff out. Absolutely. Yep. All so, right. everybody, have a real
0: good night. Thanks, Dr. So. Friday. Peace. Lots everyone. of love, everyone.